We're turning now in our Bibles to Acts chapter 13. How many of you love God's Word? It's such a privilege to come together and to be able to worship God together and to receive His Word together. And we're in Acts chapter 13 today. This is our text. And I, I just want you to know that for us as a church, uh, this is an incredibly important uh, passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. You know, Destiny Church is uh, a church that is founded by a missionary. We're almost 80 years old, so this year we turned 79, yeah, and obviously I wasn't here when that started, but obviously, it should be obvious, but anyway, um, we were founded by a missionary, and, and ever since our founding, we've been supporting missionaries, raising up missionaries, sending out missionaries, because we really believe that Jesus is the hope for our world. Jesus is the hope of humanity, the gospel message. People need salvation. People need Jesus. And the only way for them to receive Jesus is for somebody to go and to tell them. And so since our inception and continuing all the way to today, we continue to support missionaries and send missionaries out from this church. And Acts chapter 13 tells us the right way to do that. How many of you know there's right ways to do things and there's wrong ways to do things? There's God ways to do things and there's man's ways to do things. And we want to be about doing things God's way. Not our own ways or what we think is best, but that we as a church must be submitted to God's word in all things, and especially when it comes to to missions. And so how can we know the right way? How can we know God's way to do missions, to send out missionaries? How can we know, how can you know if maybe God is speaking to your heart to leave San Antonio, Texas and to go to a foreign country, to go and to share the gospel with people who have never heard before? As we get into Acts chapter 13, we're going to look at some of these things and we're going to see that this passage contains for us the biblical model for world missions. And so we're going to start actually at the end of verse, uh, at the end of chapter 12, Acts chapter 12 and verse 25. And it reads that Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now it describes for us the, the first part of their missions trip that they went on. So verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. 
While they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon an, a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bargesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. This was the man who was in charge of uh, running the island of Cyprus. He was a man of intelligence, it tells us, and he summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, that's the name of the, the other name of this false prophet, Bar-Jesus, he opposed them and seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, show all of us that we all have a part to play in expanding the gospel and in expanding your kingdom. Lord, you've called us all to be witnesses, whether here in San Antonio, in our families, in our community, or Lord, to the ends of the earth, wherever you are calling us. Lord, help us to understand that we have a part to play. Lord, that we are called to be witnesses. And Lord, we are, we are called to partner with those who have been called to go to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't have a specific number of points uh, for you today, but there's a lot in this passage, and so we're just going to walk through and we're going to start unpacking it together. The first thing I want to highlight for you and, and show for you from this passage is simply that Luke is writing as a historian. He names real people that lived in real places at a real time in history. Luke is not writing for us, Luke who writes the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he's write, not writing fantasy, he's not writing fiction. These are real people, these are real places, and these are real events in history. We see at the beginning of his Gospel, the, the Gospel of Luke, he, he lays out why he's writing these things down for us, and I think it's helpful if we look at his introduction to the Gospel of Luke. And so Luke chapter 1, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who for, were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, and they have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. In verse 4 he says that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Luke goes and he goes on this mission of, of a, a historical mission. And he goes and he interviews the eyewitnesses, 
that saw Jesus' life, that saw the miracles, that saw his death and resurrection, he goes and he witnesses people who, uh, or, or interviews people who were a part of the early church, and eventually he joins Paul and begins to travel with Paul as one of his companions. And so he then begins to write as an eyewitness. But he is writing for us history. This is, this is history. And in fact, in this passage, for a long time, historians said that Luke made an error in this passage. For a long time, historians argued that at the time, this title of proconsul would not have been given to someone who was leading the island of Cyprus. But about a hundred years ago, archaeologists discovered this man's name, Sergius Paulus, and in front of his name was the title of proconsul. And history eventually will catch up with the Bible. Eventually, historians will catch up and archaeologists will catch up. And Luke was vindicated. And time and time and time again, Luke has been shown to be the most accurate ancient historian. Of all of the ancient historians, Josephus, the other ancient historians that wrote during this time, time and time again, Luke has been shown, has been proven to be the most accurate historian of the ancient world. These are real events. These are real people. These are real places. These things really happened. And I want you to have a confidence, and, and this is why Luke writes for you, that you can be sure about the things that you have been taught. That you can be confident that these things really took place. The next thing I want to show for you and, and highlight for you is, is now into Acts chapter 13 and looking at this, this missions trip that Paul and Barnabas are sent on. And you have to realize that this is a historic moment in the life of the church. That there has never been anything like this happen before. Up until this point, the way the, the gospel has been, has been spread is that when a persecution has arisen against Christians, that Christians have fled, Christians have left, they've, they've, they've run away from persecution, and as they've gone, they've gone sharing the gospel, they've gone preaching the word of God. They've been reacting to the events and the circumstances of their life. But here now we have the first time where Christians go from being defensive to going now on the offensive. They're not just reacting to the events of their life. They're saying, no, people need to hear about Jesus. And we are going to go and tell them. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we are going to go and tell people who have never heard the gospel. This has been called the most significant missions undertaking in the history of the church. Now again, for us, we support a lot of missionaries. We've, we've always done this. This isn't unusual or strange to us. But they had never done this before. There had never been a missionary before. Can you believe that? 
So, so they're, they're, they don't have a playbook to go by. They don't have a missions training school where they can go and learn how to do missions. They don't have a, a people who can come and say, well, this is how you raise support. And, and, and when you get to this country, go and visit these people and, and stop at this church and partner with these missionaries. No, there are no churches. There are no other missionaries. There's nobody to raise support from. They are totally stepping out in faith into the unknown. And it reminds us a little bit of, of Abraham. Do you remember when God called Abraham and, and said, I've called you to be my, my chosen people and, and your family will, will be a blessing to the nations and I want you to step out and I want you to follow me. And the scripture tell us, tells us that Abraham stepped out in faith. He didn't know where he was going, but he believed that God had called him to go. And this is what Paul and Barnabas do. They, they don't know where they're going. They simply believe that God has called them to go, and they believe that God will lead them and direct their steps. And what we see in Acts 13 is the biblical model for missions. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out to you because we as a church, we follow this in our missions endeavors. We, we try to follow this as closely as possible as we send out and support missionaries. And so the first thing I want to, to show you is that it is God who calls and commissions and sins. In verse 2, it says that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Who called them? God called them. Who asked that they be set apart? God asked that they would be set apart. In verse 4, it says that they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. So who calls? God calls. Who commissions? God commissions. Who sins? God sins. We need to know this very clearly that that people are not called into the ministry by men. People are called into the ministry by God. God calls people into the ministry. God calls people to be missionaries and to go out onto the foreign field. This calling does not come from man. This calling comes from God. However, look at where this calling takes place. It takes place in Antioch in this church that, that really was a mature church, this church that had developed other teachers and, and other preachers, and, and there's even a prophetic ministry happening within the church. It says that Paul and Barnabas had been there for a whole year, raising up leaders, discipling believers. And really the mark of a mature church is one that can look beyond its own borders and can say there's other people that need the gospel. It's not just about what happens in our four walls, in our little kingdom. No, one of the marks of a mature church says God's kingdom is big, and we need to partner with and come alongside those who are working to expand the kingdom of God. That it's not all about what happens right here at 8635 Callahan Road. 
Amen. Or 106 South Edison Street in Fredericksburg, Texas. No, the kingdom of God is big. And, and God has called the church to partner with those he is calling to go out and to spread the gospel. But this calling, it comes through the Holy Spirit. He's the one who speaks. But then the leaders, they fast and they pray. And they surround Paul and Barnabas and they lay their hands on them. This is the sign of affirmation. This is a symbol of blessing. This is a way of saying, though we're not going with you, we are with you in this. We're in this together. We're here to pray for you. We're here to cover you. We're here to support you financially. We are in this work together. That's what the laying on of hands represents. That the missionaries are not on their own. That they have a, a church that is behind them and supporting them. And so God calls, commissions, and sins. It is from God. But it happens through a local church as they are a part of this church, a part of this ministry. They are plugged in to this church. Also, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they're not novices. They're not new at this. They're not brand new Christians. Paul's been a Christian now for nine years. Barnabas, a Christian much longer than that. They've been working together as a team for a long time. And they've proven themselves to be both faithful and fruitful in ministry. They've proven themselves. They've shown that they are called by God. They've shown it. They've proven it. It's, it's obvious to the leadership. It's not a question mark. Well, are they called or are they not? No, their, their lives have been fruitful in the kingdom of God. And they've proven themselves faithful over time, over time that they were planted in this local church in Antioch. We read about how they came back from the, the, the small trip that they had been sent on to Jerusalem. The church in Antioch had raised a, a large offering and entrusted it to Paul and Barnabas to deliver to the church in Jerusalem as a way of helping them in a time of need and famine. And Paul and Barnabas, they didn't stop in Las Vegas on the way there and spend it all, right? That they were faithful, that what was entrusted to them, they delivered it. They, they proved themselves faithful. And so if you are feeling a call of God to missions, to ministry, prove yourself faithful. Get involved. Plug in. Show that you are fruitful in the work of God and show that you are faithful in the work of God. They knew who they were. They were tested leaders. And so they lay their hands on them and they send them out by the Holy Spirit. And finally, in Acts chapter 14, after they go on this trip, this trip lasts about 18 months that they're out there. About 18 months later, they... they they come off of the field. They, they, they take a break from this missions trip. And where do they go? Well, they come back to Antioch. They come back to the church that had sent them out. And they come back and they give a report of everything that God had done. And they're accountable to 
the leadership there. It's so important that we see this, that, they're, that they give an account of what God had done and how he had worked through their life and in their ministry. And this is the model that we as a church follow in missions, that we believe that God is the one who calls. The call comes from God, but it's affirmed by the local leadership that can see it so clearly, see it so definitively, see that they are faithful and see that they are fruitful, that we send out people who, they weren't saved last week, that they know how to work and they know how to do ministry because when they get out on the field, what we see is that they encounter hardship, that they encounter difficulty, that they encounter spiritual forces of darkness. And so you, you don't send out people who don't know how to handle those kinds of things. You send out people who know how to pray, who know how to remain faithful, who know how to endure under spiritual attack. And then finally, that they report back home and share what God is doing, how we can partner, continue to partner together, how we can pray and see the gospel moved forward. Now let's look at what they did once they got out there on this missions trip. This is really important for us to see what they did as missionaries. In verse 5, it tells us, after they were sent out by the Holy Spirit, they got on a boat and they sailed to the island of Cyprus. When they arrived there, what did they do? They proclaimed the word of God. This is what they do. They preach the word of God. They are taking the gospel to people who need to hear the gospel. In verse 7, it says that the word of, of their preaching and teaching, that it spread to the leader, this, this proconsul named Paulus, the leader of the island, and he wanted to hear the word of God. He wanted to hear this message that Paul and Barnabas were preaching, and so he summoned them and, and had him come to them. And then finally in verse 12, it tells us that he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. And so what we see in all of this is that the goal, the, the bullseye, the, 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 the thing at which all missions work is aiming at is that people would come to faith in Jesus Christ as the word of God is preached and proclaimed and that they would be built up and brought into the church, the family of God, churches being started, churches being planted. And we see as missionaries go out and as they share the word of God, share the gospel of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit empowers that message to be effective in people's hearts and in people's lives. That they're not going out on their own, but they're going out in the power of the Spirit. That the power of the Spirit accompanies the proclamation of the Word of God. Paul writes about this in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10 in verse 13... He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That if we will call, if anybody, anybody from any background, from any race, from any nationality, from any culture, 
It doesn't matter what you've done. If you will call on the name of Jesus in faith, you will receive salvation. And that this salvation is for everyone. But, he says, continuing in Romans 10, how will people call on Jesus if they have not believed in Jesus? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? And how can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Verse 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Listen, people need to go. People need to go and share the gospel, share the word of God, proclaim the truth about Jesus, because people can't believe unless they hear, and they can't hear unless someone preaches, and someone can't preach unless they are sent. This is missions work. All missions work. True missions work has at its heart the proclamation of the gospel. Now sometimes that mission is, is packaged in a certain way that might even disguise what's being done to authorities and people that are not pro-gospel. So, for example, in China, we've had orphanages there for many years, and the, the, we have, have taken care of kids that have been thrown away, and, and we've raised them and, and give them a future and give them a hope, people who have no future and no hope. But we also share the gospel with them. We, we don't just take care of their physical needs. We also address their most pressing spiritual needs. And every single one of those orphanages, they're orphanages, but they're really churches. They're, they're, they're teaching those kids the word of God every single day. They are discipling those young believers. They're baptizing them in the name of the Lord. They're raising them up to be the next generation of pastors and missionaries that will come out of China. Amen. It is a long-term goal, long-term vision. But it's not just dealing with the humanitarian, it's also dealing with the spiritual. We have Roland and Carolyn here with us today who have built, have you built a thousand homes yet? And again, close, right? More? Okay. Over a thousand homes that they have built. He swung at the hammer every time, right? No, that, that God has used them to bring together the body of Christ Many of you have swung the hammers building these homes in the colonia of Reynosa in Mexico. But every single time a home is built for a family, they do not leave that place without presenting them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just about putting a roof over their heads, it's about putting Jesus Christ in their heart. It's not just about giving them a house, but it's teaching them about who we build our house on, Jesus Christ, the rock. And in that colonia now, there are several churches that have been planted. Churches now in a garbage dump, if you can believe it, where these believers now come together and worship the Lord. 
It's not about orphanages. It's not about houses. It's about the gospel. And every single one of our missions, efforts, missionaries, they are gospel-proclaiming, Jesus-exalting, the Word of God-teaching missionaries. Amen. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We see here as they go out that they face opposition. This false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who's standing in the way of this leader coming to faith, that somehow he had this leader's ear and he had convinced the proconsul Paulus that he could see the future and so as he's wanting to hear the word of God and receive the word of God, he's saying, no, don't listen to these guys. Don't, don't listen to them. Listen to me. And it's amazing what happens in verse 9. It says, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him and said, you son of the devil. Now, is that what you would expect someone to say who's filled with the Holy Spirit? Right? I mean, maybe not. People in our world today would say, that's not Christian. You can't say that. Apparently you can. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you see what's going on, the Holy Spirit revealed to, to, to Paul what was happening in this person's heart. Did you know that Jesus also called people the son of the devil? You can read about that in John chapter 8. I'm not telling you to go out and call people the son of the devil, just so we're aware. But if the Spirit comes upon you, and this is not just the, the everyday indwelling of the Holy Spirit that every Christian has. What Luke is describing here is some sort of special thing that happens here where the Holy Spirit comes upon Paul in a special way in this moment to deal with this spiritual opposition that's taking place. This is what the Holy Spirit is given to us for as believers. The Holy Spirit has not been given to us so that we can name and claim a good parking spot at HEB. That's not what it's about. It's not about, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to get a good parking spot today. What, what about the, the, the elderly person that you stole their parking spot from? What about them? Right? The Holy Spirit has been given to us to make our witness for Christ effective. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Sometimes, I believe there are people in here who you've wondered why it is that you don't feel and sense the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And might I submit to you that it's because you're not being a witness. You're not witnessing for Christ. That's where the power is. To experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, you must step out in faith and begin to witness for Jesus. Share the gospel with your friends, with your family, with your co-workers. You might not have a plan. Guess what? Paul and Barnabas didn't have a plan. You might not know exactly what you're to say. Guess what? Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 10 said, don't worry about that because if you will step out in faith, when you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will fill it with his words. 
But unless you do that, you won't experience the fullness of the power of the Spirit of God in your life. And God wants to use all of us to share the gospel. This isn't something that's just for those called to be missionaries. This isn't just for people on the stage. We are all commissioned to be a part of the Great Commission. We're all called to share our faith, to share the gospel. And God has given us his spirit that will make it effective. You see, so many times we put it on ourselves. We say, well, I can't, and I don't know, and what if they say this, and what if they say that, and what if I don't have the right answers, and what if I... Listen, stop making it about you. It's not about you. But when you will surrender yourself to Jesus, your Lord, who's commissioned you to be a witness, to share the good news of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and return, to call people to faith in God and repentance of sins, the Holy Spirit will work in ways that you could never imagine. You will stand there shocked yourself at what God will do. But we must step out in faith, not knowing how it's all going to work out, not knowing if we're going to put our foot in our mouth, but we trust God and we trust his word. And God accomplishes his perfect plans through imperfect people because we serve a good and gracious God. Amen. So, after all of this happens, this man believes. He comes to faith in Jesus. It says in verse 12, when he saw what occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. It wasn't simply that this this false teacher was struck blind, this person who claimed to be able to see the future could now not even see where he was walking. It wasn't just that. It's that he was also astonished at the teaching of the Lord, that the word of God had gripped his heart. And let me just remind you, brothers and sisters, Let's be sharing the word of God. Let's be sharing God's word. Of all of the things that we could be sharing in this time and in this season and in these moments, what people need is the word of God. People need the gospel. People need the hope of Jesus. And so let's use whatever platform and venue that we have to share the word of God. Because we have a message worth spreading. The gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. The only message that has true power. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask our worship team to come and prepare to lead us in one final song today. But I want to encourage all of us. We need to go on the offense. It's time for us to not just be playing defense in our lives, not not just to be playing defense against the attacks of the enemy and, and hoping that the devil will just leave us alone. No, it is time for you and I to become offensive for the Lord, to go on the offense, to begin to share the love of God, the gospel of Jesus, to shine the light, because we truly do have a message worth 
spreading. And as we do, as we step out into the unknown, as we step out in faith, the promise of the Father is that the power of the Holy Spirit will manifest in our lives and that we will see great things done for the church, for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God, and salvation come to people's hearts and to people's lives. Let's pray. As we pray today, we need to consider what the Lord is speaking to each one of our hearts. Maybe the Lord has placed someone in your mind that he wants you to share the gospel message with. Right now is a moment for you to to make a commitment to the Lord that you will obey his leading, that you will step out in faith. Maybe the Lord has been placing on your heart to support a certain missionary begin to uh, even give to them financially, support one-time gift or even a monthly offering. Now now is the time to to make that commitment before the Lord that you're going to follow his leading. Maybe the Lord's been dealing with you to, to begin to pray for certain missionaries at certain different times, and maybe you've been faithful at times and not at others to to not, to, right now is the time to, to make a commitment to the Lord to be faithful in lifting up our missionaries in prayer. Maybe God is speaking to your heart about being a missionary, about not just sharing the gospel here in San Antonio, but even to go to the front lines to share the news with people who have never heard. Now is a, another time of, of surrender where you can make a dedication that you will follow the the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. I believe that we all have a part to play in taking the gospel to those who have never heard. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, right now we we make a commitment. We, We make a dedication before you, Lord, that we will be a part of expanding your kingdom. We will be a part of your harvest field. Lord, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. God, we ask that you would raise up new new pastors, new teachers, new missionaries to go to the foreign fields to share the good news. And Lord, we as a church, we continue to dedicate that we will be a church that partners with those that you are calling to bless them, to support them to send them out as you send them out by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.